0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe.
0: Welcome to the Believe in New York Football podcast presented by BetOnline.ag here. On the Belief Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. March Madness is here. We are in full swing. The tournament is right around the corner. And for you to place all your bets on who will win the tournament, you need to head to betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing. College basketball is heating up. As the madness is ensuing, the tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest and BetOnline is the spot to be for all your Bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website BetOnline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Believe in New York football podcast. As always, I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, B-L-E-A-V.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, At Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. We have an awesome show for you guys today. Tons of free agency news already. And we're only two days in. The Jets have begun to load up. And the Giants are playing, I guess, what we consider the waiting game. I'll get to that in a second. But also, we have Pat DiMartino returning for a bracket breakdown of the NCAA tournament this upcoming weekend. We're going to walk through every first round matchup. Talk a little Final Four. Talk a little winners. A few winners, we still have some futures out there for the last episode, uh, two episodes ago that you guys would have heard with our NCAA tournament predictions on kind of who we thought would come in. A lot of our teams ended up making it to the dance, including my team in Q's. We also got some Rutgers love in there. Shout out to both the Rutgers men and the women for making the tournament. Love to see that. So we'll dissect all of that, all the March Madness news, noise, situations in just a little bit. So stick around for that. But let's start by talking some football. And we'll start with the Jets. And the Jets had money to spend. They were amongst the top five in available salary cap. And they still have some money to spend after making some moves. But they already made some moves early on that'll turn some heads. First off, they added a weapon on the outside for whoever the heck they decide to play quarterback in the 2021 season. And they signed Corey Davis to a three-year $37.5 million deal with $27 million guaranteed. Davis was a guy I talked about relentlessly for potentially coming to the Giants. I thought he would be an under-the-radar kind of receiver um, that, first of all, too, Davis ends up being one of the first receivers off the market. Still some big-time guys out there, including Kenny Galladay, who still went to the Giants. But Davis ends up going first amongst these guys, kind of sets this receiver market up a little bit. And instead, he will be wearing green next season. Davis is a former top five pick in 2017. Had been underperforming for a really, really long time there in Tennessee. They couldn't figure it out with him. And he put it together last year. He put together his best season as a pro, totaling 65 receptions, almost 1,000 yards, 984 yards, and five touchdowns. And the move will definitely bolster the Jets receiving core, which desperately needed some help. He'll work alongside Denzel Mims, which I think will work really well. I think the two of them can coincide um, nicely. We'll see who's playing quarterback, though. I mean, for whoever will be under center, I think this will help them. It's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I just think now the attention moves to that quarterback situation on the offensive side of the ball. In terms of defense, the other moves that the Jets made were on the defensive side of the ball, of course. New head coach Rob is there. He's changing the defense around. They're going over to the 3-4. And he's starting to make moves to really impact that and make sure that coming out of the gates, they're going to start off hot. And the first move the Jets made was in addition to the inside linebacker position by signing former Lions linebacker and first round pick in Gerard Davis. Uh, Davis also came out of that 27 draft class. He primarily plays inside, but he's a really good fit for the Jets scheme. Like I mentioned, 3-4 system. He lost his job as a starter last year, managed to just get in and start four games. He was a starter for three years totaled 46 tackles, uh, a half a sack, not the craziest contract in the world. Davis, it's going to be a one-year deal here, $7 million, a- and I think this is just a depth move, a scheme move, and it won't wow you, but maybe this next move will because, of course, I think they made their biggest move of the day by adding Carl Lawson, defensive end, uh, from Cincinnati. Lawson is a high-motor, high-energy kind of guy on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, Played all 16 games last year. uh, Has struggled to stay on the field through early on in his career. He's played 16 games, I believe, twice. Yeah, twice. 12 games in 2019. Only got to play 7 in 2018. But last year was a pretty good season for him, to say the least. Easily his best of his career. Um, And let's just run through the numbers here real quick. Uh, 5.5 sacks in the 16 games. Played 32 QB hits. 4 tackles for loss. 36 total tackles and two forced fumbles. Lawson wreaks havoc. And this is a move that is very Jets-esque. I think rebuilding that defense is the first thing they needed to do. Um, And under Salah, I had full confidence they would do that. They're doing exactly that by adding Lawson. And the detail of Lawson's contract has not been released yet, but it looks like, by the looks of it, the Jets are still going to have $50 million leading up to the Carl Lawson deal. Whatever that deal comes out to, they're still going to have some money to spend, you always got to account for about 10 to $12 million for the rookie deals. But still, I mean, you're talking about potentially 30 to $40 million, um, you know, give or take, that they'll be able to play around with. So I think the Jets are still in business to make some other significant moves. Um, also, I saw a tweet by Rich Simini. He was talking about the opening day ages. Uh, I mentioned all these guys came out around the same year. I didn't touch on it with Lawson, but they're all going to be 26. Uh, and you got to love that if you're a Jets fan. Get some young talent in there, especially on the defense and offensive side of the ball. And, you know, really build this thing from the ground up. They have money to spend. I obviously have already touched on it, but the QB is so essential to this team's success. So they need to get that right. But so far, so good for Joe Douglas and Rob Sala in his first year. But now let's switch over and talk the Giants side of free agency. And although the Giants did add some people, and I say that loosely, Let's start by talking about who we lost. For starters, we lost the captain of last year's defense. Dalvin Tomlinson got paid by the Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings gave him a two-year, $22 million deal. And the catch of this deal, for me, that, that comes out after everything is settled, and I heard about this a little bit during the season, but Ian Rapoport pre- uh, reported that the Packers tried to trade for Dalvin last season. And, and look, the age-old question is always... Should you trade someone on an expiring deal that you know you won't bring back for at least something? And I think, obviously, you say yes more often than not, but the issue with this instance is the circumstance he was in. The Giants were competing for a division. That's that's for one thing. There's no situation where I could have saw Dalvin leaving last year in a trade. I get it. Like, I get it. Like, But there's no way the Giants were dead set on not bringing Dalvin back. You had to have figured he was going to be due money. At least I did. I would have thought, and we talked about this extensively on Clapback Sports, not too much on the New York Football Pod, but he was due $10 million, Even a little bit more, which is what he got. He got about 11 a year. But we talked about the possibility of maybe a team-friendly deal. You know, Dalvin liked where he was on the team. Maybe we get him at 8 But you can't knock a guy for going to get his money. And I'm sure the Giants had that in the back of their mind. But it ultimately didn't work out that way. And yeah, the pick could have helped. But in regards to losing Dalvin, I mean, the Giants are going to be fine. They took sexy Dexie in the first. That's what he's there for. Dexie's going to have to thrive. He's going to have to play extensive minutes. And so is B.J. Hill. They're going to have to get an increased workload. And on top of that, the Giants also brought back big body Austin Johnson. One-year, $3 million deal. He's going to clog up holes on early downs. I I mean, he's a big body for that reason. Another thing we touched on on clapback. And, you know, I saw the writing on the wall with Dalvin. In hindsight, could the pick have been nice? And should we have seen that coming? Maybe. Sure. But with this regime uh, in Dave Gettleman, I'm not expecting that. I want to keep our guys when possible. But it sucks when we have situations like Leonard Williams, which we're going to get to in one second. Um... You know, that's a head case. And I got a guy I like in Dalvin Tomlinson, homegrown that we've drafted that I think fit this team well, that, you know, you can't keep. And, you know, it would have been cheaper. But obviously they play two different positions. Leonard is going to get paid as a D end, or at least he's looking for it. Dalvin, obviously an interior nose tackle. You know, uh, completely different. Completely different. But let's talk about another loss here. The Giants made a move to cut Kevin Zeitler, their starting right guard, a person they got in the Odell Beckham trade. Uh, to free up some space in the cap, they saved a little over $10 million, which was great. Um, but it felt like hours went by and he was immediately scooped up by the Baltimore Ravens. It's like in fantasy when you make a trade uh, or you put out a trade offer and they immediately accept it and you're like, what just went wrong? Zeitler was on the market for not very long and he immediately got snatched up by the Ravens. Uh, Zeitler got a three-year $22 million deal, $16 million guaranteed and good for Kevin Zeitler. Uh, good for him getting paid in regards to the Giants they decided to cut him to make that space and instead you know they have the aging Nate Solder that they're looking to renegotiate his contract the The report is that he is going to have his deal reworked according to Rapshi Ian Rappaport although people speculated he'd be cut and not Zeitler um Soldier will be the one staying, and he has a reworked deal to return to the Giants in place, but no details have been released yet. So, again, we are waiting with the Giants patiently to see if anything happens. Although, if if you look on Twitter, no one's waiting patiently. Everyone's losing their mind by the minute. Uh, So, we'll wait and see like everything else, but that includes the Leo deal, which by this time tomorrow, man, by the time this podcast drops on Wednesday, I think all hell is going to break loose. Uh, actually, speaking of hell breaking loose, I think hell's breaking loose currently. Um, from what I'm seeing here reports, Leonard Williams is re-signing with the Giants on a three-year, $63 million deal, $45 million guaranteed, uh, $21 million annually a year, more than the franchise tag. That's what he was looking for. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Was Leonard do it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he played for he played for that deal. He played for that contract. He, he was well-deserving. I, I feel a little indifferent about the 21, but I'm glad we got our guy. I'm glad uh, all that nonsense about rescinding the tag is over and done with. Uh, we got a long-term deal finally done with Leonard. Uh, we'll have to see how this contract kind of works in favor of the Giants this year. We'll see if the guarantee money is backloaded uh, to free up some cap for this season. Uh, but my initial thoughts on this breaking news... Wait, hold on. So, this is there's a so speaking of pandemonium breaking out or, or chaos hitting, the Giants have also, according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Network, have agreed to terms with wide receiver John Ross on a one year, $2.5 million deal. So, while this is going on, we have two breaking news stories after a quiet day one, uh, mid podcast here. We have two deals by the Giants. Uh, one million is guaranteed for Ross. Uh, Ross, everyone knows him for his 4'2, 240. Uh, ninth overall pick by the Bengals. This is, th- there's a lot going on now. I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Much needed wide receiver help there. Definitely an affordable, cheap, uh, low risk, high reward kind of guy. And Ross, maybe he could somehow reset his career here with the Giants. And then with Leonard, I mean, look, Leonard's getting a ton of money. I think he deserved it, I think he fits this team really well. Patrick Graham was able to unlock him. And, you know, things are starting to move here for the Giants. I think I like this John Ross signing a lot. Very cheap, very affordable. Still a few things to come. I don't know if that means they're out on Kenny Galladay. I don't think it would mean that. Um, Obviously, their offense still needed a lot of help. So, John, John Ross is one of the weapons that should contribute to that. But, you know, and stretch the field. But, You know, we'll see kind of where the numbers on Leonard's contract again work out to see if it benefits this team uh, to free up some cap this year so they can continue to make moves in free agency that officially starts tomorrow. So that was the deadline for Leonard. They had to get that thing resolved by uh, tomorrow's deadline, and they did. I'm glad it didn't become a headache. It already seemed like a headache, and we were only dealing with it for about like five days. So I'm glad it's all resolved. I'm glad Leonard's coming back, and the Giants are finally making moves. So, um I'm sure Twitter's going to blow up over this. They did have one more addition, though. We had one more addition we didn't get to here, and that's at the running back position. The Giants added Devontae Booker. Uh, they added a backup running back, a two year deal, six uh, $6 million. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me in the least amount of words possible is that he likes to hit. You'll be able to block in the backfield uh, with Saquon coming off his injury. I don't expect him to, you know, improve in that area, which he already struggled in. You know, I need him to be an able-bodied running back and and be Saquon and run and break tackles and and make some plays for this offense that was putrid last year. So everything else aside, I mean, the least I need Booker to do here is protect Danny in the pocket and I'll be fine. I haven't followed him much, you know, since he was in Denver, but he scored three rushing touchdowns last year with Vegas, which is the most he's had since a rookie, so I guess that's an improvement. And hopefully he can continue to grow. You know, and maybe I'll figure it out in New York. I won't hold my breath, but literally at the worst I need Booker to do is protect Annie, because, you know, outside of Saquon, he's the only guy we have right now in that backfield. So he's really going to have to log some minutes there on third down and take care of our king. But that's it for football talk, at least for this week, at least for right now. And I'm going to get you guys ready here for my discussion with Patty Martino. We're going to have a little bracket breakdown like I hinted at earlier. It's extensive. It's detailed. Uh, Pat really knows his stuff. We get into the analytical side of things. I kind of play with my heart a little bit on how we want to structure this bracket, what we're expecting. If this is really going to be a tournament for the Big Ten, will this be the year that the Big Ten actually puts it together and, you know, someone comes out on top? We have a lot of top dogs there in the Big Ten. Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State. We talk about them all. We talk about some teams that may pull the upset. uh, Some lower-seeded Big Ten teams, obviously not a significant upset, but the big tens everywhere in this tournament. We'll talk about that extensively as well. We'll talk about some deeper double-digit teams that you haven't probably heard of that will definitely turn some heads early on in this tournament and will potentially be uh, some fan favorites. So stick around for that. Without further ado, here he is, Pat DiMartino. They're
1: playing
0: All right, now I have the great pleasure of welcoming back on Pat DiMartino. Pat, I, I, I want to come out and say this first. I told you we wouldn't talk about Michigan today. I lied because I want I want to get out in front of it now and just apologize. I want to apologize because this may be the mush. I, I don't want to talk about them in the bracket because I can't mush them any more than we already have. They had one loss the entire season coming onto the show. I think they lost that night of the show, and they've lost – A few other times since so um on behalf of your bet I'm sorry and we won't talk about it if you if you have them winning just say unnamed because I I don't want to cost you any more money than I already have
1: yeah well we might as well at least touch on a little bit of what's happened to Michigan (laughs) and also they got a terrible draw their region is brutal in my opinion and they're on the same side as Gonzaga which is not ideal um You know, they they lost Isaiah Livers to injury. They had a couple other guys playing through pain uh, this last two or three weeks. You know, they had a COVID pause, and then they crammed about seven high-intensity games into, like, a two-week span. And it was just too much for them. They didn't have their legs. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Livers didn't get hurt, I'd be fine with this one-week refresher. I think they start a new season uh, starting the tournament, but it's going to be tough. He's got a stress fracture. He may be able to come back late in the tournament. Who knows? He's a hardworking kid, so maybe he'll find a way. Uh, but yeah, obviously they're in a lot of trouble. But did
0: they lose livers last year too? Didn't they lose him last year as well? Or maybe? Well, but no time?
1: tournament last year. He has had some injury history. Yeah. I don't know what his status was this time of year, but he, he was hurt off and on last season. Um, well, they should hopefully get through opening weekend, mm-hmm. but it's going to be tough to see them doing much uh, after that unless they get some guys back.
0: Yeah, being on the Gonzaga side of the bracket definitely doesn't do them any favors. Um, you know, no spoiler alert here. I have them going um, all the way to the end pretty much, uh, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. I did want to talk about the COVID uh, incidents that are kind of going around right now because uh, we made it pretty strong throughout the college season. Obviously there were some stoppages, but you know, everything looked crystal clear headed into March madness. And then right into the thick of conference tournaments, I mean, all hell's kind of broke loose. Um, a team we talked about last time we were on, Kansas. Now I'm kind of iffy on Kansas because I don't know what that's going to do to their game. That was mid-conference tournament. I'm a Syracuse guy. I'm glad that even though they lost to Virginia, they still got into the tournament. We could touch on that when we get to that side of the bracket, but Virginia, the team that beat them, didn't even get to finish the ACC tournament. They were the number one seed. Um, They got bit with COVID. Everyone's kind of indifferent on that. I I think it's something to talk about because you really don't know kind of, you know, where this is going to play in. To, to, to the tournament.
1: Well, that's exactly it. That, that's key. You said you don't know where it's going to play in. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time handicapping the COVID thing because, you know, within 24 hours, everything can be upside down and the healthy teams now have COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's dicey. You have to go into this tournament understanding you can get screwed in a spot like that, maybe a little less exposure than normal years. Um, don't put yourself in a position that, you know, you're going to be in ruins if, if, if a team... Uh, gets COVID and has to forfeit around. Um, but it's not, to me, not worth handicapping. I mean, it's hard to get too much of a handle on it, and it can change yeah. so quickly. I just think it's something where you got to cross your fingers and ho- hope you run clean.
0: Well, here's the good news for any Q's fans out there, and I'm sure there are some listening to this. Um, we're tough enough to play a team that was covered with COVID and didn't get it. So, you know what, if there is a team you need to not worry about this time around, it's Syracuse because, listen, we're, we're pretty much indestructible. And they, they played in New York technically the epicenter of what COVID was. So I think we'll be fine. We're going to be okay on that side of things. Um, other than that, other than that, there there is a few things I did want to touch on in terms of, um, you know, teams, I think that we touched on last time we were on here that have kind of changed course. And we'll get into the individual matchups of the first round, but I kind of want to give everyone an overview. It's very funny. A, the reason I called this a mush too, is that uh, I told you didn't really like Villanova style of play. And then, you know, you you kind of backed Villanova a little bit. And I was like, yeah, well, what are they going to do? Give the ball to Gillespie the whole time? I said Gillespie by name. And again, I think maybe a day or two after his season was done. (laughs) Villanova has not been the same since. Um, I'm sorry to Gillespie in advance. I I, I didn't mean to do that to you, but here they are. They're a five seed. And honestly, I I know the 512s are always predicted to kind of, you know, be where that upset area is. But It's kind of scaring me how everyone across the board is kind of counting out Villanova right now. Are you seeing that the same way?
1: I mean, it depends what you mean by counting out. In terms of a realistic shot at a title run, it's probably going to be a a tall order. Uh, Now, they lost Justin Moore, too, but he came back in their last game against Georgetown, a game that they kind of threw away late. He played some minutes, and according to Jay Wright, I heard a great interview with Jay uh, a few days ago. uh, Moore is 100%, so... At Least he could play the point, and that kind of settles things down enough that they'll get through, in my opinion. Uh, opening weekend, I'm not concerned in the with the Winthrop game at all. I remember I was watching the selection show, and immediately those guys are like, Oh, we like Winthrop's a live dog in this game. We love Winthrop. Uh, uh-uh. J- yeah. Jay's team is hungry. Interesting thing with the Big East tournament, they lost a heartbreaking game on Thursday, they had to stay all you want to do is go home and you know, you're, you're, heartbroken. They had to stay in quarantine in the bubble the entire weekend in their rooms. Uh, all they did was practice, eat and sleep. Uh, this is a hungry Villanova team with a chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to blow Winthrop stores off round one. Uh, Jay's too good of a coach. Just analytics wise, they, Winthrop is overmatched. They play in a horrendous league. Uh, so that's, that's an ups, that's a five 12 that uh, I'll let the public chase the dog in that one. I, I love Villanova in that spot.
0: Yeah so that and that's why I needed to get your take on it and, and mind you outside of Villanova I really haven't seen you know Winthrop very much uh, other than their conference championship game but you know whenever the public is all Collectively picking a dog. It doesn't really make it a dog for me anymore. And it just makes it a less sexy pick. So um that was one I wanted to get out of the way because I felt like everyone was counting them out off the rip. There's another one on the west side of the bracket that we'll get to in a second. We did talk about one of the teams, um, but I feel like it's a popular underdog pick as well. But let's just get right into it right now. And we'll start in the West here. And no surprise here. I'm gonna take Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga they're still waiting to find their opponent in the 16 spot I don't think that matters very much I think they're the best team in the tournament right now uh, in the co- in the country at that so I'm not too worried about Gonzaga the eight nine here I've tossed this both ways um, Oklahoma Missouri um, I really don't know where I want to go with this I have two brackets I've literally picked one on each side so maybe you could provide some clarity here Um, who do you like in that matchup?
1: Tough game. I'm not as familiar with Missouri as some people. I know they have a uh, decent size uh, just from an analytics standpoint. Let's just look at that one a little bit more closely. Um, Oklahoma Long Kruger is a really good coach. I didn't like how they played against Kansas. Uh, they were flat as could be in the first half. They kind of were arguing, arguing amongst themselves. They came back in that game because Kansas has no depth, uh, I'm looking to fade Oklahoma. You know, they're 36 in adjusted offense, 53rd in defense. Uh, they play a, a moderate to slow pace. Uh, Missouri, another balanced team. It, it's a coin flip game on paper. Uh, they're the 51th adjusted team overall as Missouri. I, I'll take the size of Mizzou. I'm kind of going to be fading to Big 12 across the board. So I, I'll take a shot with Missouri in this game. Just didn't like how Oklahoma, from a body language uh, standpoint, finished mm-hmm. off their season.
0: Yeah, I got weird vibes from them as well. Um, I was leaning towards Missouri, but then I, I, those eight nines are so odd. Uh, I, once they once they start watching too many selection Sunday shows, and they start giving out the sati- uh, statistics about the amount of double digit seeds to make the Elite Eight and the Sweet Sixteen, and the eight nine matchups at the yeah. nine swept the eights last year. I'm like, now nah, I'm thinking too much. Too many numbers are being thrown at me. Um, but yeah, okay. I see where you're going at with that one. It's definitely still a coin flip to me, but I think I would lean Missouri a little bit more too. I did have Missouri on the one main bracket I'm looking at here. But then we're going to get to my first upset here, and I want you to defend your guys here. Uh, This is my first 12-5 upset. Um, I don't know enough about UC Santa Barbara, but I I have watched them a few times and I have bet on them a few times. I know their conference isn't the sexiest to look at, but I'm concerned about Creighton. I'm concerned about Creighton. Last time we were on the show, you kind of talked them up. You liked them a little bit more, but I mean, they got the doors kicked off, um, you know, against Georgetown. Does that provide any concern for you?
1: No, only because that's, that's what you get with Creighton. Their their floor is way down here. Their Hmm. ceiling is way up here. So they're not a team I'm going to ride with deep into the tournament because at some point they're going to have a clunker and I don't really care who it's against. Uh, Santa Barbara plays a fairly similar style to Creighton. They're 66th and adjusted offense, 82nd defensively. Creighton, you know, that they, they kind of had their, their swoon when McDermott went off the rails with some uh, outrageous comments. Mm. Uh, they don't, they, they look to have gotten that back. I was shocked that they got absolutely annihilated by Georgetown. You know, mm-hmm. I knew they were a lot live to, you know, potentially get upset because of how well Georgetown was playing, but. There was runs in that game that I've never seen before. I think there was like a 38-4 to 4 run. In- yeah, they, they lost by
0: 25, so it's there's, pretty. There's
1: two, two mega runs. Georgetown's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: I, and I love UC Santa Barbara's name. I know this factors into nothing, but I'll bet the Gauchos any day of the week. I, that's just that's just great, you know. I, I love every part of that. So, the interesting thing, though, here – is that I think, you know, UC Santa Barbara, I have seen that floating around somewhere. People do love their guards, especially against Creighton. Again, the 12-5 matchup kind of turns more into like a coin flip or, you know, where it could really go either way based on their playing styles. But in the next matchup here, and this is, this is where I'm trying to start to listen to the actual experts and see something that I don't see. But, you know, Virginia versus Ohio. I know Ohio has Jason Preston. I've seen Preston play before. I know he's a gamer, but I also have watched the ACC closer than anything being the Syracuse guy. I just saw them up against Virginia firsthand. I know Virginia has COVID, but at least for the first round, Virginia's size is a problem. Hauser and Huff. I know, I I know it doesn't seem like enough. Huff is a freak, man. I mean, he really just takes over defensively in games sometimes crashes the boards. And if Hauser could even turn it on, he didn't have it against Syracuse uh, based on how Syracuse was trying to play their game plan. But I mean, you saw in that game, they had guys who hadn't even attempted shots coming up big time for them. So I I know everyone's kind of counting out Virginia, but I can't do it yet. I can't do it. I know Ohio has a guy in Preston, but I don't see it. I, I can't see a 12, 13. Some people have a 12, 13 in the, in the round of 32. I can't see it. I could see an upset with either Santa Barbara or, uh, ohio but there's no way i could see them both so i'll take santa barbara and then take virginia to win and see them in the round of 32
1: yeah the max a little stronger than it's been in years past Ohio's actually 29th in adjusted offense nationally a weird profile for virginia this is the first year they're actually ranked higher offensively in the metrics than they are on defense i don't love that uh because they still do have those scoring droughts even though mm-hmm. they hang their hat a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball this year um man, Ohio can score it. I think this is a little bit of a dangerous game. I don't know about outright, maybe not a terrible bet with the points. Virginia plays close games, probably, you know, sharp enough and well-coached enough late to pull it out. So I don't know if I'm inking my bracket with Ohio, but uh, a little bit of a dicey spot, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I see why. And again, I have two brackets. So I have this kind of going both ways. Um, but this is a game where, again, just based on kind of seeing the eye test with Virginia against Syracuse, um, maybe I'm trying to say that just to gas myself up and make Syracuse sound like a better team than they actually are. I do know Virginia's defense is like outside the top 10 and it's not where it was. I don't know. I think Ohio's a sexy pick and, and, and I understand why. I'm just not buying it yet. I'm not buying it yet.
1: I think Ohio beat Georgetown one year as a 15 seed in the opening week. If I can Remember, it's been a while since the Mac has done much uh, in, in the tournament. But interesting game.
0: All right. So let, let's just keep rolling here. Let's just keep rolling. Well, we got some games to get through. Um, I do have a futures on USC. Thank God they managed to still come in at a creditable seed. And they're honestly in a decent spot uh, in the bottom of the West here. Obviously, they're in, you know a division where Gonzaga is going to be, but that's, and that's not picture perfect, but early on, I kind of, I'm going to tail them and try to ride them out at least until, uh, you know, they see Kansas in this round of 32. I have USC playing either Wichita state or Drake uh, beating them and Kansas moving on from uh, Eastern Washington. I don't know if you have anything different there, but I just see that one kind of coming out uh, with no surprises, Kansas playing USC and, you know, for that matter, and maybe you'll stop me, when we get to Oregon VCU here, but the bottom side of the bracket here, I kind of see it mapping out the way it should. I have USC Kansas playing each other around a 32 and then Oregon C and Iowa um, as well. After that goes through.
1: Yeah. So I think Drake gets it done over Wichita for whatever that's worth. Uh, I agree with you though. First round USC to me, looks pretty safe. Uh, An old Jim Valvano premise is that you want to advance on the first round, get yourself an NBA player. That that elite talent round one, even if your team is not really feeling it, uh, nerves. Hey, we have an NBA guy. That's usually too much to overcome in that first game. Mobley's a special player. I don't know if he's what pick he's going to be in the draft, but mm-hmm. he played. He's starting to get going. He played really well against Colorado in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, had, had probably his best game of the season. Uh, I think he'll be too much to for Drake to overcome, in spite of a really good season.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm right there with you. USC does give me some concern sometimes. Again, I have backed them for a while now. I got them early in the season. Um, they definitely go missing at times, especially in a Pac-12 that just, I don't know. It's very, I'm very indifferent on the Pac-12. But they did win me some money most recently on a buzzer beater against UCLA. So that was great. And I enjoyed that. So I'll stay with my guys. Now let's go down to the East. And uh, no surprise here. I'm gonna have Michigan advancing. We'll get more into the side of uh, this side of things because I do think the East is stacked. I do think there is some tough competition in here, especially with some teams rolling right now. But Michigan here, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this uh, LSU team. Uh, I've been betting Bonneys, uh, Saint Bonaventure. That's who they're matched up against here at the eight nine. I've almost been betting bodies blind just because I just love St. Bonaventure every year um, just based on what they are, uh, the program in itself. But LSU is scrappy. They obviously beat Alabama in the um, SEC championship, uh, championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was narrow, right? That was like a one-point win, two-point win. Yeah.
1: yeah, Bama beat them by one.
0: Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, so um, I flip-flopped that. But they played them close. They did. So um, – Anyways, what are your thoughts on this LSU team in itself? I mean, do you see any, uh, you know, reservation? You know, obviously they played Bama close, but is that kind of who they are? Do you think they could play up to the competition?
1: So I think that that was the game to really have LSU because they had gotten slaughtered by Bama earlier in the season. I think that was sort of a, a redemption revenge game. They were really locked in. They played a strong basketball game. I think this is a bad matchup for them. St. Bonaventure plays really slow. LSU wants to play really fast. I think in those clashes of tempos, I like to favor the team that can slow it down and force you to play in the half court. Now, that can't happen if your shot selection is poor and you don't rebound well and you don't play good transition defense, but St. Bonaventure is a good team, man. They're 25th overall in the net rankings, 38th offensively. They're 17th in defense. Uh, I think it's a bad matchup for LSU. I, I can see them getting tight. And St. Bonaventure pulling off a close game. That's actually one of my stronger uh, eight eight, nine leans this year. I like the Bonnies.
0: I like that. So we got two nines so far. We got two nines out of this. We're going to go to the 5 12 again. And this one, I, I can't wait to hear your take on. Obviously, Colorado, a good team, but no one is probably hotter than Georgetown right now. Um, led by Patrick Ewing. Where, where Where's your head at in this game? I mean, does does the momentum that Georgetown has in this conference tournament matter in the NCAA tournament? Because I think it does to a certain extent, but um, I do think they're kind of playing way above their heads right now.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, they would have liked to have started, you know, yesterday in the NCAA tournament. They're ready to rock. <laughs> they're playing with a lot of confidence. thing is they're young. You know, I, I don't know how much experience – You know, Ewing obviously doesn't have much experience coaching in this tournament. Playing is one, one thing. Um, Just that was a a long, hard run for them in the big East tournament. And let's not forget, you know, they made 23 out of 23 free throws against Villanova. Uh, That was a game they should have lost. Nova ran bad late. They were up 11 with eight minutes to go. So just if, if a coin flip goes differently in that game, we're not even talking about Georgetown in the tournament. So I think, just getting that high on them off their last two games, especially when we've seen Creighton can throw in a massive clunker. Seton Hall's not very good. I think Georgetown's a little bit dressed up right now. Uh, they'll be a popular pick because they're at their athleticism. They're sort of a fun team, but I love Colorado in the half court. They're really well coached. McKinley Wright's probably my favorite player in the nation this year. Uh, they got some big bruisers down low too that I think they could handle. Wahab defensively. Uh, I'll go with Colorado to to sort of you know put a damper on this georgetown
0: run yeah i see that too so um i do have colorado facing florida state i I like florida state's length um it's funny and we talked about it last time we said length and athleticism and i've heard it like 17 times on selection shows (laughs) since they're like yeah florida state's uh length and athleticism i'm like does anyone else have anything else to say (laughs) about florida state other than that but they are a sound defensive team man um i don't know i i don't see of Florida state really getting bothered by UNC Greensboro too much, but I have heard some decent things um, about UNC Greensboro. I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't smell the upset here. Um, I'll let you touch on that in a second, but I wanted to roll into where I do have an upset here and I like Michigan state to beat UCLA. And if they beat UCLA, I like Michigan state to beat BYU. That's what I have. And I'm sticking to it.
1: <laughs> I can see that. I mean, people tend to jump on Izzo this time of year. Uh, I'm not sure if this is one of his better teams they are playing well of late again I'm a little worried that they're dressed up off the Michigan performances because Michigan was really sucking wind there they didn't have much left in the tank Uh, other than that there's not a whole lot I can hang my hat on with Michigan State I think that's a I I would pick them gun to my head against UCLA I don't know about going further Uh, we talked about FSU quickly So remember you were talking about a kid that can like steal your heart opening weekend that you've never heard of that can go off. Isaiah Miller is a six foot point guard for UNC Greensboro. He's kind of got some like Chris Paul mid range to him. He's Mm -hmm. a dominant player. He's a great finisher. He can shoot it. I don't think Greensboro is good enough or big enough probably, but if FSU has an unfocused game and they let this kid get loose, that could be one late to, to follow. Uh, Again, probably they don't have the size down low to eventually pull it out, but I'm interested in that game a little bit more than most people are. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I did hear they were probably, uh, probably one of the uh, more popular uh, 13 seeds. Uh, and, you know, I heard it as far as if they were probably facing any of the other four seeds in this, being, you know, Virginia, Purdue, they probably match up a little bit better. I don't know about Oklahoma State. I'm high in Oklahoma State. But, um, you know, Florida State, I would say, is probably the strongest four seed out of those teams, at least in my opinion. So, um, yeah, they obviously didn't get the best straw, but I love to hear that because nothing better than betting a dog. Uh, we'll continue to move here. I love Texas. I don't see uh, Abilene Christian really putting up much of a hassle against them, but you never know. But, uh, in this instance, I'm going to take Texas. And then, you know, the bottom of the bracket here, (laughs) we'll go in reverse order because UConn plays Maryland and then Alabama plays Iona. um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's very hard for me not to just bet Patino to win the first round on a bracket just for shits and giggles because I want to. I just, I really, really want to. Um, but I know Alabama is for real. And, um, you know, UConn, Maryland, I really don't lean either way. So why don't you kind of talk me through uh, either of those matchups on, on what you're seeing and what you're looking forward to? Uh,
1: so I think it's a bad matchup for Iona. You know, I heard Patino in an interview earlier this week, too, his sort of thing. Um, is to not play against your strength just because it matches up a certain way with your opponent. Now, Bama likes to run. Iona likes to run. Sometimes when those styles are the same, the better team is going to absolutely blow the doors off. The lesser team, I'd kind of rather a a team that really wants to slow the game down and make things uncomfortable for Bama. So I don't really think Iona's live in that spot. Uh, Texas, I'm a little worried about. That Abilene Christian line is low. Abilene Christian's 30th in net defense. Texas at times can go a little bit dry on that side of the floor. I, that one scares me a bit. Um, what else th- did we cover there? Um, Maryland UConn's a great first round game. Yeah,
0: really good. That, I, I really don't have a, a side on that either way to be honest. That is a
1: battle. You know, UConn's a little bit more highly ranked. Uh, it kind of comes down to, it, are you really going to be sold on the big 10? I, I think the big 10 going to have a huge tournament. Um, Big East is kind of whack this year, to be honest with you. UConn's yeah. probably the strongest team, I think, in terms of that can make a run. Book Knight's a amazing guard. He played like crap in the Big East semis. Um, yeah, I don't know that that's an excellent game. This is just a tough bracket. It's absolutely loaded. I do disagree with you a bit. I think BYU is a little bit stronger. They have Harms, the big kid from Purdue transfer. Anytime you have someone that's 7 3, that poses a problem. And they got guys that can really shoot it. Up. Tough bracket, man. Uh, Colorado was a team I wanted to make a Final Four bid, and they're with Michigan, my other team. Like, all my teams I like are in this side, so that was a bit unfortunate uh, when I heard the draw.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, look, it, it is loaded. I think sometimes, too, and again, I, I feed into all this other noise, but I, I do take into account that the fact that some people who play in that first round, you know, the the first 68 or, or whatever you want to call it, that play-in game, uh, does catch a little bit of momentum going into it. I do know some of those teams have the tendency to make a run. So I'm just trying to, sure. you know, pick it blindly and just see, you know, pick a spot and find where that could actually happen. Uh, I don't think they get back much farther than that, but it would be interesting though. Well, f- for someone who did back Michigan to have some of these better teams kind of go out early. I mean, you know, I think the best case scenario for uh, for you would be, you know, Florida State struggles a little bit early on, maybe gets caught sleeping in the round of 32 after a tough round of uh, 64. Then maybe Texas, if he, they actually lose to a 14 seed, I mean, that's only going to clear things up. Uh, you probably wouldn't have to worry about much unless you see, I'd say, Colorado and then have to see Bama in the sweet 16 or the elite eight. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think for someone who backed Michigan, you obviously want this competition Uh, not for you guys, but uh, maybe for the sake of knocking out some of the bigger dogs, uh, you know, lower in this bracket, let's go over to the Midwest though. And you know, I, I I won't sugarcoat it. Uh, I asked you about Illinois last time you were on. Um, I didn't get to watch much of them and I've been watching nothing but them since. And
1: you were down on Illinois, weren't you?
0: well, I just didn't really buy it. Like, I don't know. Like, like, like I, I understand, uh, you know, having a great regular season. I just thought, you know, from a national championship perspective, I just didn't buy it. And now I kind of do man. Coburn's a beast. I mean, he's an actual freak. He's just so good. Um, and you know, see, seeing someone who, uh, you know, who can get masked up and ball at the level that, uh, I, I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name half the time. Um, their guard. Oh, consumer.
1: Consumer.
0: I yeah. So he went masked up like Kyrie and LeBron and has been balling out. He schooled Rutgers. I got to watch that game firsthand. Uh, but really, just, you know, all around, I'm really impressed with what Illinois has been able to do. So uh, I've come full circle since the last time we were on. And just, you know, I think they really can contend for the national championship. Now, my issue is, man, I know it's kind of a chalky Big 10 you know, tournament right now in the NCAA tournament. And, and a part of me, I don't know. I, I don't see all of the teams in the Big Ten. Like, let's put it this way, just to foreshadow, I can see Ohio State, Illinois, and Michigan all pretty much knocking at the door, you know, like right there, getting near the end. Iowa too. And it's like, does that happen? <laughs> like, can that actually happen? I mean, it can because they're good enough. It's just like the NCAA tournament is just so damn pre- unpredictable. Like, like that's what happens. Like I have one, three, two, four, one, two, one, six, and like the six would be the farthest stretch. And it just never works out that way. That's the gambler in me just gets hesitant for it because the big 10 is so popular that I, it just it normally doesn't work out that way. That, that's my well, thing.
1: Two nuggets. I have one in general, people pick too many upsets in their brackets, mm. uh, mathematically like you shouldn't be digging that deep it's not bad to play favorites you only really need one or two points of differentiation to you know to make a run it also depends i don't know if we're talking about bracket pools or not depends on the field size if you're in the thing with 20 of your friends you don't need to be going deep dive to like get crazy upsets you know i mean if you Mm -hmm. get the winner and two final four teams you're probably going to take it down as long as you're okay in the first couple of rounds um second point ken pomeroy sort of the grandfather of college basketball analytics. I saw he tweeted earlier that he's a little concerned this year about his rankings because there's hasn't been a lot of crossover between, you know, non-conference opponents. COVID has kept teams uh, from playing those, you know, normal mid season out of conference games. So the data is a little bit dicey. You know, he still believes in his numbers. Don't get me wrong, but he's curious to see how it's going to play out. You know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, these teams are all in the top ten analytically. And, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. You know, I I think as we get into the Midwest here, uh, I'm not going to break down Illinois Drexel, but I think Loyola Chicago sort of has the biggest gripe in the entire field. Uh, They're ninth overall on Ken Palm. They're number one defensively in the country. And they get an eight seed. That's brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'll tell you what, Illinois is not happy that, about that. I, I love Loyola against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's a nice story. They kind of got a nice trip in the ACC tourney. They got a walkover game when Duke had to exit uh, with COVID, or I don't know if it was Virginia that they got the walkover against, but they had at least one free win uh, in that yep. tournament. They're really well coached. They got some, some good players, but athletically they struggle a bit. I think they're going to have a hard time scoring against Loyola Chicago. Uh, that's one of my most – anticipated matchups of the tournament, Illinois against Loyola. I think that's probably where I'm going to differentiate. I think I'm going to pick Loyola as an upset in that game, but I'm also going to be high on the big 10. So most people that like big 10 are going to have Illinois in the final four. I'm going to be high on the big 10, but use that one spot to sort of differentiate between uh, other people.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So I do have Loyola Chicago advancing. And I think, you know, what you said though, hit it on the head. And I think that's where the indifference is because a lot of these matchups, and we haven't even got to Colgate yet and they will be in the next, um, you know, bracket, but you know, they've played five teams all year. They have one loss. It's kind of hard to figure out what a team is when they haven't really played anyone. And that's why to the same point, it's like people have looked at the big 10 as the best conference in college basketball right now. And that's why you have to, you know, give them their due and and treat them as those better teams because they're playing the better competition. And from what we can see without playing non-conference teams, um, you know, they seem legit, but I do have my concerns on it. So we did touch on Illinois, Loyola, Chicago. Let's get to uh, the next matchups here. I'll just talk about it. I, I know Liberty can be scrappy, but I do have some money on Oklahoma State. So just to get out in front of it, I think Oklahoma State, since I've talked to you last episode on them, has has been balling out, man. Uh, Kate Cunningham is, is proven to be a, a baller. So I really like him. I love him in this tournament, so I definitely want to ride him. But the question for me then Um, And I've looked at this two ways. I'm sticking with Tennessee, but do you think Oregon state can, you know, similar to the 12 five on the other uh, side of the bracket here with Georgetown, Colorado, do you think they continue their momentum from that tournament win and could somehow give Tennessee fits here?
1: I do not. I've followed Oregon state closely all year for some deranged reason. Um, Anyway, they, they can beat teams with that are guard predicated because Oregon state has very good guards What they lack is size and defense in the low post. Uh, I think Tennessee's a bad matchup for them because they're exactly that. Their four is probably their best player. Uh, I think they're going to strap them on the perimeter. I I think Oregon State kind of uh, crashes and burns here. They're well coached. They had a nice run in the tournament. I didn't think that they were dead in the Pac-12 tournament just because they weren't going to face the teams that would give them trouble. If they had to play USC, for example – I think they would have had a harder time in the Pac-12 tournament. They kind of got right matchups uh, throughout the way there. And I think it comes to an end. Cade Cunningham, like you said, those NBA guys will get you out of the first round. And I think, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Liberty for full disclosure, but I think Oklahoma State uh, gets the job done there. But they may uh, have their run cut short by Tennessee. I kind of like Tennessee out of those four.
0: I do like that. So the way we were going to do this is we're not going to really touch on, um, you know, the next round matchup. We'll kind of foreshadow to the final four after this, just to uh, get everything going. You know, we'll see how the tournament schedule goes when we have you on next week, we'll see where everything is. And maybe we could touch on uh, some mid round matchups, but we're kind of going to give an overlay here, let people know where we're kind of leaning on uh, these early first round matchups. Obviously there's going to be a million going at one time this weekend. So it's going to be a lot to take in, but uh, it's nice to see some early leans and just see if it comes to fruition, um, you know, during that first round, we'll continue to move. And this is a bias pick, but my guys are there. My guys are, but we made it. It wasn't pretty. It took Buddy Beheim to finally come to and figure out, Hey, you know something I can play basketball. I can, I can hit some shots here. I can be the guy. And he was, he was the guy for a little bit there. I don't know if he's going to continue to do what he did in the ACC tournament in the NCAA tournament, but if he does, I mean, do they got a chance? They got a chance. Uh, San Diego State, I'm just not scared. I'm just not scared, Pat. Give me a reason to be scared because I'm not scared.
1: I love San Diego State in this game. I think Syracuse is going to have a really hard time scoring the Rock. San Diego State's elite defensively in the half court. They're 11th in the country. They play a slow pace. Uh, Syracuse is not going to get any easy transition buckets. I think they're just a little bit too erratic. For my liking, some of their big wins this year have come when one guy has just gone completely off. I don't think they're balanced enough. I love San Diego State in this spot. I think the Mountain West is an underrated league. Uh, give me San Diego State. I think they're three point favorites. I think that's a decent number to play them on as well.
0: Yeah, you did tell me that you like San Diego State last time uh, we were on, and you like the Mountain West a lot. That's why I, I knew you'd give me something. Still not shook, still not scared because you hit it on the head. That's Syracuse. We lean on one guy, it's never pretty. <laughs> Um, most of the time, you don't even know if it's going to go oh, in. But hey, look—if Buddy can actually put up some points, we'll know. We'll know the result of this game early on. That's just the way Syracuse plays. If they well, get behind
1: quickly okay. on Syracuse, though, I think they give—they catch teams off guard and give them fits in the tournament historically with that two-three zone. This mm. year, I don't think they have the length uh, up top in that zone to really make it that hard on opposing offenses. Like, there's been years where other teams are not getting. They're just hoisting threes. They can't get good looks. Mm-hmm. I think Syracuse right now as, as they're built is not really, you know, dayheim's vision in terms of the zone.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. No, they, they, they definitely lack size. Uh, look and Dolajai is someone they try to use as like a stretch guy and, and you know, and be that big body. He's just not, and this has been years coming. He has not put on a single pound since he's been at Syracuse. I've never seen someone who gets skinnier as uh, he progresses in a program, but that would definitely be Dolajai. Um, but yeah, I'm going to ride, with, ride with the orange. Uh, I'll go down here real quick. I love West Virginia. Uh, I'm taking West Virginia. Uh, we'll blow past Clemson Rutgers. Cause we could touch on that game in one second, but I also love Houston. Um, you know, Houston against Cleveland state. Is there anything in this Rutgers Clemson matchup that, um, I should keep an eye out for. I'll try to not take this one biasly. Obviously I w- want to ride with my guys. We got Rutgers at 10 Syracuse at 11. I want to take them both. Uh, I'll probably only take one. So where are you at in this game?
1: I love Rutgers, 18th in adjusted defense, you know, battle tested from the Big Ten. I think Clemson's kind of going the wrong way. Uh, I've watched them closely of late. They kind of have this stereotype that they're an elite defensive team. They're not – their guards are not very good. Sims is a high-level player, but he hasn't gone against good bigs. Uh, I don't think they want it bad enough either. I watched them in the ACC tournament. Uh, didn't love the body language. I'm, I'm kind of down on Brad Burnell's bunch this year. Uh, I'll go with Rutgers to advance. I agree with you. I love Houston, love West Virginia, kind of unfortunate that they ended up in the same uh, sort of tier there. I I thought both of them could make runs, uh, but yeah, nothing for me to talk about too much in their first round matchups.
0: Yeah. Those are kind of, you know, they speak for themselves. Um, Let's jump up. We got one more bracket to cover here. The South, uh, we'll run right through the uh, top dog here, Baylor, um, no issues there against Hartford. I don't see any Virginia inst- uh, instances this year. I think all the ones are going to advance. Um, an interesting 8-9 matchup here, too. Hopefully, we can get some clarity. The next matchup would be Villanova-Winthrop, which we've kind of touched on. We can get a pick in that. But let's talk about uh, North Carolina-Wisconsin here a little bit. Uh, North Carolina, I-, I know this is a North Carolina of the past, but – You know, are are we betting the coach? Are we betting the team? I mean, I don't know enough about Wisconsin, but my early lean is North Carolina based on kind of what I've seen
1: this year. I love Wisconsin. If you like math, you have to like Wisconsin. They're 10th overall, 32nd in offense, 13 adjusted defense. They play really slow, which I think could give North Carolina problems. Who wants to run a little bit? Um, Wisconsin's a team. I mean, we could say this about a lot of teams. If they make their shots, they can beat anyone. Uh, you know they get good looks. They have size. They have fours and fives that can all shoot threes. They're actually more athletic than people give them credit for. Uh, Davidson's a tough kid. Uh, I like Wisconsin in this spot. UNC is playing some of their best ball, but this is a classic. I'll take I'll take the better team in the Big Ten against the public, you know, favorite in UNC. Hmm. Um, I see the money is heavy on UNC in this game. I really like Wisconsin. Okay. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, see, this is the information I and the people need to know. You know, this is the important stuff for people who were good at math once upon a time in high school, but don't utilize it in their everyday lives anymore because it's just way too much. It's just way too much. I try not to be an analytics guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, UNC has had a lot of success early in tournaments when they've been higher seeded. They've kind of gotten favorable matchups against teams that like to run. I remember they played Iona one year. Uh, This is sort of like, the nightmare matchup. Wisconsin is going to put you in the grinder, make you execute in the half court. I just think it's a really tough spot for them.
0: Okay. So um, I will bet against Villanova for the sake of this, just because uh, I know it's a popular pick, but um, I know you're on Villanova. So I'm just going to go through what I had on my bracket here. What, what don't I know about Purdue? Let's go to that. Cause we did touch on the five twelve already. So what, what don't I know about Purdue? I, I feel like this is another team that, Based on their conference, I should view them higher than I probably do.
1: Um, they overachieved, not in terms of talent. Everyone knew they had a lot of talent, but this was a team that was supposed to be a next year is the year team. They were really young, but they came of age quicker than people expected. Matt Painter is a really good coach. Uh, Ivy's an outstanding freshman. Uh, they kind of had their, a deer in the headlights a little bit against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but that was a tough matchup for them. Purdue is really, really, really good. Uh, Travion Williams could take over a game. He's one of the best rebounders in the country. Uh, I'm not looking to pick off Purdue early. You know, it's a small line. North Texas must be sharp. They're only like seven or eight point dogs in this game. Yeah, which does scare me. Uh, but but I think Purdue will find a way to get get the job done and you know pose a a very tall task for Jay Wright in the second round.
0: Yeah, so I blindly pretty much picked Purdue to go all the way to the Sweet 16 just based on where the uh, bracket is. Because even if Villanova wins, I just figured, you know, Purdue should be able to handle that. Um, but yeah, I figure I get some clarity on it because I, I just didn't see enough of them this year to really say confidently that they can make the Sweet 16. But based on, you know, who they've played and what they've done uh, and how their team is structured.
1: They're extremely balanced, probably the most balanced team in the country. They're 23rd in offense, 23rd in defense. You know, that's good enough for a 13 overall net ranking. Uh, they can play slow. They can play in transition. But I think, uh, you know, they're a really strong team.
0: So we're going to go to probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, first-round matchup here. Uh, I can't wait to see this. I, I backed Texas Tech early on. Um, I love McGlunk, They've definitely balled out as of late. But this is a scrappy Utah State team, man. Um, This 6-11 matchup, I really can't figure it out one way or another. Uh, um, Again, I back Texas Tech, so I feel inclined to have to pick them here. But I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be easy. I think this is a game that no one's really talking about that might catch some people by surprise.
1: Yeah, I'm on Utah State for sure. Uh, I think they can get the job done outright. Now, Chris Beard's obviously a sensational coach. I just don't think this is a classic Texas Tech team. They're tough. They're gritty, sure. But they've struggled with elite big men, and Kata for uh, Utah State is really, really special. Um, I know tournament, you kind of tend to gravitate towards guards a bit more, but this kid could take over a game. And like i said, Texas Tech has struggled against elite fives this year. Uh, They're also very well coached is Utah State. So I think that beard angle is less of an advantage than, against, than it would be against most opponents because Utah State is also extremely well-coached. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can shoot it. You know, they're really efficient in the half court. They're playing good basketball right now. They ran into a tough San Diego State team in the Mountain West Final, played really good against Colorado State in the semis. I think Utah State is is primed for uh, an upset here against against Texas Tech.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be an electric game. I, I can't wait to watch this one. I'm definitely going to dial in and, uh, you know, hedge my bet hedge my future because i do think utah state we could probably get good value on do you actually have a line up oh, do you do you know where that line is at right now
1: yeah or? i think it's five okay plus 175 money line It's hmm. not terrible
0: well so who they could potentially see here is a team i mentioned before in colgate they have one loss they won the patriot league um not much of a challenge either. Uh, and they're going against Arkansas, who I told you off air before the show, I really don't know anything about. I was surprised that they were a three seed. I hadn't seen them all year um, and they come out of the SEC. So uh, what am I missing with Arkansas? What What's something that I feel like I should know that makes them a three seed?
1: Uh, well, Eric Musselman was the coach of Nevada for those years when Nevada had the two brothers. That's that right. you know, Nevada, Nevada was a, a tough team those seasons. They had some tough finishes in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're always dangerous, you know, sort of a live team. Anyway, he's taken that style to the SEC with elite athletes and guys, guys that can guard. Uh, they're 17th in tempo, so they play really, really fast. Uh, 35th in adjusted offense, 14th in defense. Arkansas's an elite team. They're 18th in the net rankings. Uh, tough break for Colgate here, who the analytics also do like Colgate, but they've just played no one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, I think that's a tall task for them. Arkansas should roll here. That would be an electric matchup in the second round, them against Utah State. Uh, I'd like to see that one sort of a clash of styles, but be an interesting game. I I think Arkansas can make a run.
0: I do have that. I actually have Utah State winning, uh, beating Arkansas. But uh, before going too far ahead of ourselves, we have two more matchups to touch on here. I have Ohio State beating Oral Roberts. Uh, No crazy 215 matchups. no, No Duke incidents here. Uh, but we do have Florida-Virginia Tech to talk about. And uh, I definitely don't know enough about either of these teams, full disclosure. So um, is there a chance Virginia Tech could somehow top Florida in this in this game?
1: Yeah, kind of a coin flip game. I'm on Virginia Tech. Uh, if I had to pick, they're a little bit more balanced. They play slower. Uh, Florida's had some injuries over the course of the season. Both teams are well coached, but I think, you know, we're a little bit short on upsets in the first round. I didn't see many that I liked, which is a good thing. You don't want to be too heavy on upsets. But if you can sneak a 10 over a 7 in a spot where the public is probably more aligned with the 7 in this matchup, uh, I think it's a, it's a good spot. And I remember, you know, they beat Villanova early in the season when Nova was playing pretty good and Jay was really complimentary of Virginia Tech. I'm going to sort of hang my head on that. I didn't follow the ACC that closely this year, nor did I follow the SEC. So this is a little bit of a blind pick for me. Uh, I'll take the small dog in Virginia Tech, but I don't love it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I follow the ACC. I mean, Virginia doesn't, Virginia Tech doesn't knock my doors off, but I don't know anything about Florida, so it's kind of like, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm toeing the line here. But let's, let's get past it. We covered all the first round matchups. We do have some upsets. I mean, more than most, they're very subtle. Um, we are leaning most of these nines, which I think is uh, interesting enough. We did talk about how that the, there was a stat I believe all 9 swept the 8s last year or or you know 2 years ago when the tournament did play. Oh, we don't have a sweep. No, we have a Loyola winning against Georgia Tech. Uh but you know there there are some scrappy upsets along the way here. Uh we got Rutgers, Maryland. So, you know, th- there's some stuff out there. But let's talk final four. Let's talk final four and you know something, I in this particular Final Four, I'll just walk you through where my uh, my upset comes in. So I'm going to take, along the way here, Oklahoma State to upset Illinois in the Sweet 16. They'll have to get past Houston, which is going to be pretty difficult to do, or or West Virginia, for that matter. If they did w- uh, win that game, they'd have to get one of those two teams. Um, but I would love to see a rematch with them against Baylor. Uh, in the final four. I think that'd be fucking so awesome. Uh, I have Baylor taking that, but I would love to see Cade Cunningham in this show kind of carry on all the way to uh, the natty. I don't know if they'll be able to get past Baylor again, but you know, we never know wishful thinking. I have Gonzaga rolling through the West. Uh, I have no issue with Gonzaga again all the way to the final four and the national championship. Uh, that's no surprise. I don't want to be very cookie cutter and say it's a one versus one, which is probably what it would be right now for me. Gonzaga versus Baylor. So, my heart of hearts wants to put Gonzaga versus Oklahoma State. I just don't know if Oklahoma State has the juice to do that. In the East, I'm worried about Michigan, man. I'm worried about Michigan a little bit. Um, the way I had it was all four seeds getting to the top here Michigan, Florida State, Texas, Bama. I'm kind of like indifferent here. I, I want to bet. I think the winner of the Texas Bama game can really give Michigan fits. I, I honestly think either side of that could give them problems. So I, I want to have Michigan um, make that Final Four. I just think they're gonna have a really hard time doing it. I'm still torn on who I have, either Texas or Bama, um, but I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if Michigan gets out of the East alive. So that's kind of where I'm at with my four teams and the Natty. Um, I have I have the Zags winning it. In in this instant, uh, it's kind of bland and and too, you know, generic for me. I don't see them finishing the year undefeated. uh, So I'm probably going to fix things up here. I might just ride the guys that I've backed in Oklahoma State, um, just for shits and giggles to do something different on this bracket. But that's where I'm at right now. Where do you kind of see things uh, panning out? Are you still riding with the Wolverines?
1: So rather than like break down specific matchups because it's so hard to get them right, I kind of like to look at the quadrants and where are there some soft spots that, you know, a team may have an easier path. We talked about Gonzaga having a pretty easy path. Well, That also means Iowa has an easy path until they get to Gonzaga. So I don't think – I think something could be said for maybe taking a flyer on Iowa. Maybe Mm -hmm. if Gonzaga gets picked off, I think Iowa will be a, a team that a lot of people do not have. In the final four, because they're kind of writing in Gonzaga. So that oh, could be right. an interesting differentiation point. Give me some Luca Garza, baby. Give me some yeah. Luca Garza. I love that. In the East, I'll probably back Alabama. Very tough region. You know, maybe I'll take a shot on Colorado in some brackets. My heart says Michigan, but, man, it's looked ugly the last couple of weeks. It just, you know, maybe they somehow get through for opening weekend and then Livers comes back and gives them a spark. That's, like, my hope for Michigan. But I, I that's a lot of ifs, so yes. I'll probably stick with I mean, Bama. That's a
0: gauntlet. Like I, I know you don't want to look at matchups, but to, in theory, if you, you go either Florida State, Colorado, to Bama, to Gonzaga, then have to play oh. the Natty, I mean that's that's a ringer. That that's that's an absolute ringer.
1: So if you would have shown me that, you know, three weeks ago, I would be absolutely nauseous and not even <laughs> believe that that the path that Michigan had. So yeah, it sucks. It is what it is. We got our money in good and, and got unlucky. Maybe we'll get a miracle. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the South, you know, man, I don't see too many live teams between Baylor and Ohio State. I think we probably will get that matchup. Uh, maybe Arkansas, maybe Purdue. I think Nova is probably a team that, you know, just doesn't have enough. Wisconsin's tough, but there'll be a game where they don't shoot it well. But that Baylor-Wisconsin game is going to be interesting. So keep keep an eye on that one. That I
0: was about to, too. I was about to inter- interrupt you and say, I don't see Baylor really having a hiccup unless they trip up early. I mean, they'd have to really trip up in that round of 32. Possible. We're not even looking at.
1: Yeah. Um, Midwest is where I'm going to kind of take my stand. You know, I wanted to take Houston. The problem with that is they're in the same quadrant as Rutgers, West Virginia, and San Diego State. I just think those are a lot of big bruising teams that that can make it tough on Houston. That worries me. I'm going to differentiate. I'm going to take Loyola Chicago in the final four from the Midwest. Uh, Illinois is probably the most well-rounded team in the country right now. But like I said, that's a terrible, terrible draw for them to have to play Loyola potentially in the second round. Now, hey, Loyola could lose the opening game for sure. I'm going to go with the numbers. Ken Pound's been doing this a long time that's the highest ranked mid-major I've ever seen. Number one ranked defensive team in the country. That's enough for me to sort of sink my teeth in, in a funky year. Loyola's done it before, you know, they're well coached. They kind of have that pedigree. You know, there's something to be said for that Butler, when they made the final four back to, they made the final four twice. Like they, they saw they could do it. I think Loyola Chicago kind of believes no one's going to have that upset. So I'll take Loyola Chicago.
0: I like this. I like this a lot. Um, I'm definitely leaning Bama, I, I think over at Texas. I don't love Texas, but I'm just like trying to like foresee what what's gonna happen. But I think you're right. Like now, because like that's the thing. I, I don't see the Zags finishing undefeated. It just it doesn't happen. I made the joke to you last time. You got you want to get a loss in there somewhere in the regular season. You got it. you want to get it out of the way if they already had a loss, feel great about it. Hard to go the year undefeated. I don't think it's happened what since the eighties. I don't think a national. Yeah, trying.
1: I mean, again, if you're going to play bracket pools, if you if you're in one with ten yeah. people, you could take Gonzaga. If you're in one with a thousand people, you cannot take Gonzaga. Literally eliminate them, and then one loss from them eliminates ninety percent of your player pool. So, uh, like in that, that case, I think Iowa is live.
0: I, I love Iowa. I told you. I, well, I already have uh, Iowa-backed. You know something? I think what took me out of it is I saw Luka Garza get his number retired and all the tears in his eyes in that moment. And instead of thinking, like, this is like his – we're going to end the year on a high type of thing, I just – I don't know. I'm, like, disconnected with Iowa now. Now I'm sad for them. I'm, I'm sad so, to see it end. I'm sad to see so it So a end.
1: couple months ago, Iowa played Gonzaga on a neutral court. They kind of got their doors blown off. They had cut it to 10 or maybe even single digits a few times late in that game. But Iowa was not playing good defensive basketball at that time. I think they've probably gotten a lot better from coming through that difficult big 10 schedule. Gonzaga. I don't know if they've gotten better. It's very hard to tell in that league. Uh, I'd be even stronger on Iowa. They probably would be my pick to win it all, except their backup five Jack Nunge, is out for the season. He spelled Garza and provided a, actually a lift at times off the bench he's a really good player he'd be a double double guy anyway if he was a starter so i think that hurts cars is gonna have to play log a little bit longer minutes earlier in the tournament not sure if he'll be as fresh for that gonzaga matchup but uh, i was certainly got life rand mccaffrey's a great coach
0: we're live and that's all that matters well this was great this was great pat so um you know, if any of the viewers have questions on what we want um, or on what we're looking at come tournament time, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, Pat from EH, if I'm not mistaken, is still the handle, Pat. Uh, you guys know where to find me. And, hey, we, we are definitely live. Michigan's live right now. Don't think I'm not pulling for you. I'm just worried. I'm just a little worried. That's all. You know what I mean? It, it, I told you I wasn't worried about cues, and that's why now I'm starting to think, like, I'm too confident. With Michigan, at least we're worried now. We have our heart attacks before the hit, before tip off, and then come game time, we're going to be dialed in. You know, get it out of the way early.
1: Hey man, <laughs> just get through opening weekend, then we'll we'll reevaluate.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't. The brand can't afford a one sixteen upset right now. We can't afford
1: you can't, you yeah, can't afford it. Yeah, I mean, St. Bonaventure could pose problems. We'll see.
0: Mm. Yeah, now I'm looking at this at my bracket completely different. I'm just thinking about what the heck I can do because now I'm like, is Alabama too chalk? <laughs> now I don't know because I have because okay. I have one twos. So the way it's set up here with everything, it'd be Gonzaga, Iowa, Baylor, Ohio State, Michigan, Bama. See, that's where I'm saying I don't think it's gonna be Michigan, Alabama. I don't. The other side, kinda. I had West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Um, See, like that's something that's a little out there. It's a little different. Michigan, Bama. I don't know. In that, in that side of the bracket, too, it's just too much competition. I, I, I highly doubt it works out that way. We're gonna have to fix some things.
1: Yeah, it's a t- it's the top, definitely the toughest region to predict. I think there's probably six or seven teams that can make the final four from that grouping.
0: I'm here for it, though. I can't wait, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Friday Friday starts everything uh, for the 64. Do you, when does the 68 start? When, when are the first playing games? Wednesday? Tomorrow?
1: Thursday. No, they're all four on Thursday this year.
0: Okay. Nice. Oh, so they're playing right after each other. Well, man, I can't wait. This is electric. I'm glad March is back. This is March. We're actually in March. We're actually almost in April now. We're technically past halfway of March. But still, we're in March. This is March. <laughs> Pat, yep. thanks for coming on, man. That interview with Pat DiMartino was brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Big shout out to Pat for coming on the show and talking about the bracket with me. Um, March Madness is here. This is March. I'm excited about it. Tons of content in terms of basketball that I wanted to get to here. I know, again, guys, this is a football show, but I couldn't miss out on the opportunity. I still got March Madness Fever from last year for missing out. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Pat will probably be on later, either next week or the week after, to talk about just everything that's gone down um, with these teams and with the tournament. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Plus, we're going to have tons ton of free agency news to get to along the way. been two days and... and- pandemonium has hit so i'll talk to you guys next week with plenty of stuff to talk about Um, stay safe love you all talk to you soon